Podcast One Production. So the other day I had Angus, my three-year-old, and Ella, my one-year-old, in the car and we drove to the shops and we actually have a van which I call the fun bus. So I pulled over and I pressed the button to open the sliding side door, um, which is what I always do, and then I bent down, got my handbag, got my car keys, and then I just glanced around behind me to see the kids and Angus wasn't there and he had picked this particular day to unclick himself out of the car seat, which he'd never done before, and I could just see the back of him getting out of the door of the car onto the busy side of the road. Oh, my God. Now, I have never run so fast around the front of that car. I bolted around, scooped him up, got him off the road and just collapsed on the on the footpath, sitting down on the edge with him, hugging him and just I, I was visibly shaking. It was such a nerve-wracking moment and the whole of the day I could feel that my nerves were shot as a result of it. Now... Since then, I've bought a Houdini strap so he can't unclick himself and I don't press the button. I walk around now and open the car door. This is Healthy Her with Amelia Phillips. Having kids means moments of intense stress. You know, whether it's stopping your child from running on the road or maybe it's a shouty outburst, kids can literally take years off your life. I remember my mum telling me that. But is it actually true? And let's face it, it's not just those insanely stressful moments, but it's also the chronic busyness and worry that comes with being a parent. So with me today, I've got the perfect antidote to stress, the divine Joanie LeMay. Joanie is a certified mind-body practitioner, a yoga therapist and well-being consultant who runs workshops through her company in Bloom. In this episode, she's going to share with us some simple strategies to help us mums not only manage our underlying stress levels, but recover quickly from those moments of intense flight or fight mode so that we can get back to being the calm and present mums that we want to be. <laughs> Even after they've just run onto the road. <laughs> Hi, Joe. Thanks so much for coming on today. Thank you, Amelia. Thank you for having me. Thanks for the lovely introduction. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we met at the Nurture 360 event recently in Fiji and we were talking about stress at that event. And it was actually that event where I had a little epiphany about stress and meditation, thanks to you. <laughs> uh -huh, um, so what happened was I had to get up and present to about 150 people and I didn't feel very nervous, but just before the presentation, we had to go through a five or 10 minute guided meditation. And I was sitting there during this meditation and I just couldn't do it. I couldn't breathe through my diaphragm. It was all up in my chest. I could feel my heart pounding in my chest. And I realized at that moment that, oh my God, I'm a lot more stressed than I actually thought I was. And then I thought about being a mum and I thought, I wonder if I'm a lot more stressed as a mum than I'm actually realizing during the day. And this is kind of what I wanted to ask you. Is it something in your line of work that you see that mums struggle with that like maybe we're not realizing how stressed we really are? Mm, there's definitely two different kinds of stress. There's acute stress and there's also chronic stress. So the one in Fiji that you've experienced was definitely acute stress. And in that 10 minutes guided meditation, you were able to perceive 
that stress levels within your system. As a mom, I feel like there is a lot of acute stress coming in at different times, but also it's the low-level chronic stress response, day in and day out, where the stress response remains activated. And we teach at InBloom a lot in the corporate space, where I teach execs that are also happen to be busy moms. And when I was preparing for this interview, I also realized the, the big... Um, comparison between execs and busy moms, right? You are going through similar uh, stress states. And I found that quite interesting that moms are not equipped oftentimes to deal with these stress uh, states. Oh, it's so true. I mean, before I had kids, you know, I had like a car crash once in my life. And I don't know, once I fell over when I was drunk. But apart from that, like I'd never really, you know, it, unless there was a deadline at work or something like that. But with kids every day, someone's about to fall down the stairs. You know, someone's about to run on the road or with older kids, you're worried that, you know, their friends weren't playing with them at lunchtime or whatever. So you're getting this, you know, day in and day out. Definitely. Definitely. And I think what I would definitely recommend to every single mom is to have a mindfulness practice in their lives when they aren't necessarily facing a stressful time, but a, a regular, consistent practice that would equip them to then face these difficult or stressful situations. We talk about kids literally taking years off our life is there actually science behind that? Is it true that the chronic or the acute stress that we experience if left unchecked can harm our health? When I explain or teach about the neuroscience of stress, I, we understand that stress, you know, what it does on a chemical level in our bodies, it's pretty harmful, right? Your blood rate goes up, blood pressure goes up. Um, your cortisol and adrenaline levels goes up. And more than that, it um, disallows you to be fully present and in control of your emotions. And I'll say that, is it true when you say that years are, are taken off our lives when we are um, in a stressful state? From the science perspective, it's definitely not helping. Although when we, you know, when we coach mom and we can bring a certain level of, of awareness to the peak end rule. So there's actually a, a saying in psychology. I'm not sure if you've heard of the peak end rule before. So there's definitely a TED talk that um, you should watch with uh, Kelly McGonigal. It's called Making Stress Your Friend. And she refers to the peak end rule, which is as human beings, we oftentimes remembers the very stressful moments in our life. So when the intensity was at the highest, rather than the sum of the moments. So as a mom, you would remember that very stressful time when your kid, you know, ran away or whatever it was, rather than looking back and um, seeing all the little things that made up of parenthood. So I think, you know, the, most of the moms that we work with, having kids is adding years to their life because it's bringing a sense of joy, of happiness, of contentment. And I think when we focus on that, knowing that parenting is actually a stressful time and accept it, then we can reverse the saying that kids add years to our life rather than take years off our life. 
Let's talk a bit about a mum's innate stress response. So uh, I observe this in the playground quite a lot where you'll have one mum whose little one falls over and she leaps up, you know, off the bench and bolts over and scoops her up. And then you've got another mum that might be like, oh, you're all right, shake it off. There's this kind of innate stress response that we all have. Where does that come from? Our gene would play a lot in that. I think we can all train ourselves to be more resilient when it comes to stress and to build an innate capacity to deal with stress in a better way. So I think, you know, different moms would experience um, these moments in different ways. And the more equipped you are, if you would have a meditation practice that is consistent, you are then more able to deal with these acute stress states in a more um, graceful way. So you're saying that, uh, you know, genetics plays a part. I'm sure your upbringing would play a part as well. Like did you have- experience. Yeah, like hypersensitive parents yourself or were you sort of left, you know, more free-ran parenting, that kind of thing. I wonder as well, like the experiences that you've had throughout your life, how much of an impact that would have Uh, as well. I'll give you a little example. I'm reasonably relaxed. Like I'm probably more the, you know, oh, shake it off. Nothing's broken. No blood. You'll be fine. But Lockie, my firstborn, when he was a toddler, he fell over and chipped his front tooth and has had a chipped tooth ever since. And now whenever one of my kids falls kind of near their face or like they've bitten their lip or something like that and there's blood, I can feel like just the adrenaline in my body and I have that, you know, fight or flight response Mm -hmm. based on that experience. My sister, her little boy got hit by a truck. They were on the corner of a road and the truck turned the sharp corner and the wheels came up on the road and um, squashed him under his bike. He was fine. But my sister had an absolute phobia of the corner of the road for a long time. Yes, I guess it would be similar to, for example, flying, right? If you've had a, a negative experience with flying before, then whenever you step onto a plane, that fear based mentality would come back. So definitely um, rewiring your brain, right? Creating new neuropathways in your brain would allow you to shape your experience differently, right? To change your stress mindset. And how would one go about doing that? Again, starting small, right? The little, um, little things makes a massive difference when it comes to taking care of your mental health. So I always recommend to any of my clients, if you were one of my private clients, Amelia, we would go through a, a protocol that would help me understand your upbringing, what shaped um, you know, your view of the world right now and your experiences, and then giving you some practical tools. But now, since it's not a one-on-one coaching session and also for our listeners out there, I think the number one uh, tip that I can give that is very accessible is the one-minute perspective. So one minute when you actually pause and create that sense of perspective on the situation. I, I call this the mindful minute. And every time you pause, you can create that gap, right? that space between your reaction and the stimuli. And when that occurs, when we're able to see that, you're able to respond rather than react in a much more mindful, accurate, wise way. Okay, so I'm going to give you a mummy example. Yes. And um, you talk me through how you would coach someone. So let's say... 
I'm going to do a stressful situation based on relationship. So let's say that your child has just pushed a button of yours. So mm-hmm. not, it's not physical danger, but it's still a stress response. And you can just feel that, that big emotion building up inside you. What's the mindful minute? To recognize that you know, it's triggering within you that tension, then to take a mindful breath. So what I suggest is always, you know, grounding, closing your eyes if you can, right? If your kid is safe, close your eyes and really feel the breath coming into your nostrils and really feel that. Feel the sensations of the chest expanding, of your belly expanding. Take that time to connect and then deep exhalation, allowing any tension to leave your body. And just practicing that, a few deep breaths for about a minute. Right, which allows you to self-regulate in that moment. Again, right now it's dealing with an acute stress state. If um, we're dealing with low-level stress response, which is when the stress response remains activated day in and day out, having a consistent, regular um, meditation practice will alter your traits. So I always say that meditation alters your traits. So you're able to witness yourself being triggered much um, faster. You're able to witness yourself being triggered so that you can choose in that moment to do something about it and to respond differently. And that's interesting using the example of when I was about to get up and present and if someone had tapped me on the shoulder before the meditation and said, hey, you nervous? We've got, no, no, I'm fine. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't actually recognizing. Self-awareness. And so what you're saying is by having that regular meditation practice, you actually become more in tune. More in tune, more self-aware. The benefits of a consistent daily meditation practice is life-changing. Okay. I want to just circle back for a sec to the acute situation. Yes. And we just talked about the mindful minute and I, my example was kind of at the beginning of the stress. What about the um, after you've just experienced something like, um, you know, your child running on the road or something like that? Is it the same, is it the same exercise doing that mindful minute? How do you calm yourself down after an incident? Yeah, you might think that I would suggest meditating right after an incident like that, but it's probably not the number one thing to do. Um, Taking the mindful minute and being able to um, process what has happened. And again, we see this in our our clients. There's two different ways that people process information, right? One person might overanalyze. That's the way that they deal with stress. They're becoming indecisive. They're in their head. They're becoming very um, fatigued and um, struggling by staying in their head. As opposed to another, perhaps, uh, mom could deal with the situation very differently. She could be the type of mom or that has that personality that would want to go and chat about her experience, right? So I think in both cases, the common denominator and what I would suggest to do it is to recognize what just happened, right? And again, to self-regulate just with your breath. So your breath is the fastest way to bring you into the present moment. The breath is the fastest way to regulate your nervous system. So by taking again, a deep breath in again for a minute, and you have to practice it when you're not in a stress response. Practice this at home before you eat Practice this when you're walking down the street, when you're walking with your kid without multitasking, focusing on the experience itself 
would definitely help you then deal with a, a situation like this one that might be more challenging. about the best ways to combat chronic stress? So you mentioned meditation, which I'm, we're going to talk about in a moment. I'm excited to get into that. Are there other uh, overarching principles to help us combat the more chronic level stress that you were talking about? One of the great acronym that we use at In Bloom is MEDS. Not sure if you've heard of MEDS before. So meds, holistic meds, which I called M for meditation, E for exercise, D for diet, and S for sleep. And we have community that sort of, over, it's a big circle around meds. But to me, these four pillars, meditation, exercise, diet, and sleep. As a mom, you know, I can understand that you are time poor. You know, in the corporate space, we see that a lot. But if these four pillars can be prioritized, understanding that if you can maximize your own health and your own well-being, you'll then be a better mom. You got to take your meds. Mm -hmm. You got to take your meds, right? So again, meditation, which we'll talk about, exercise, simple exercise that you can do. People underestimate the power of walking, right? You don't have to go and fit in the, you know, the, the, the hit session and the gym and, and the swim and all of that. It, it's, it's impossible with, you know, especially as a new mom, so again, um, maybe forming, you know, groups of moms walking together and sharing conversations while getting their exercise in. Then when we talk about diet, I'm also a certified psychology of eating coach. And we talk a lot about what you eat is half of the story, but also who you are as an eater is the other half of the story. Meaning that when you are about to sit down at a meal and enjoy your food, who you are in that time, right? The mindful eater, right? The, the present mom that's sitting down and that's taking the time to nourish herself. No, I'm the shoveler. I don't know who you're talking about. I'm the shoveler. <laughs> so practicing that with diet, you know, not again, without even optimizing the diet itself by talking about nutrition, um, you know, the, the ingredients and all of that just who you are. So anybody out there who's listening to this podcast can do this practice of taking five deep breaths before they eat a meal. Only by doing that, you'll shift yourself into your parasympathetic nervous system, which is the rest and digest. So away from the fight or flight into your parasympathetic nervous system. Rest and digest when you can assimilate conversations, but also your meal. So with diet, this is definitely something that I would strongly encourage every mom right now to practice. Five slow deep breaths before each meal. Then lastly, S for sleep. And again, you can be time poor when it comes to sleep. Um, taking little naps during the day or pausing again, meditation. I always come back to this one because it's, to me, in my opinion, the most important tool. But sleep prioritizing an evening routine away from social media, you know, away from your phone, uh, really setting yourself up for success for a beautiful night of sleep. And again, so that the next day you can feel 
revitalized and energized for your day. So understanding that there is a, a protocol, this structure that you need to be a little disciplined, you know, by putting all your devices to bed, kissing them goodnight and not looking at your phone or at your screen after you've put them away. So definitely these are the four things that I would strongly recommend, meditation, exercise, diet, and sleep. And the great thing about those is that we're not aiming for perfection here. We're just aiming to be a little bit more mindful and a little bit maybe a small improvement from yesterday. You don't have to be perfect. Five minutes here, five minutes there. It's the accumulation of all these tools that will optimize your health and your well-being. Well, let's elaborate a bit on meditation. Now, I've been uh, pausing and reluctant to talk about this because I am basically a meditation-resistant human being. Um, I am ashamed to say that I don't meditate and that I have an innate desire not to meditate. But since being on uh, the Nurture Retreat and talking to you, um, I've taken one step towards meditating, which is deep breathing every night before I go to bed. And in the morning when I wake up and my sleep app is just singing with lots of green lights and and singing my praises when I do do that deep breathing. So um, how would you help a person like me kind of come around to the world of meditation? I hear you and thank you for sharing your experience because I'm positive, Amelia, that most of the moms listening are feeling the exact same way with meditation. It's the last thing that they want to do. It's an add-on to their to-do list and it becomes, you know, something that they don't want to prioritize at this moment in time. When in reality, it's probably the most important thing that they should start to prioritize because it's going to give them time. It's going to give them the gift to be more present with their loved one, with their kids. Um, and it's basically giving yourself the gift of well-being. Meditation is a portable device that allows you to self-regulate anywhere. And again, starting small, as we've discussed previously, the mindful minute that can be taken. Again, just like you're doing habit matching. So perhaps breathing before you go to bed every single night, breathing um before each meals, as we've discussed as well. So when we start matching the habit of, of breeding with someone, with another habit that we do on a daily basis will also help us keeping that meditation habit. Now, I always say that the best practice is the one that works for you over time. It's consistency. So as we've discussed, starting small and building on successful habits. Uh, again, another practice that I could uh, suggest with the moms listening is as a group, you know, when you go for walks and you can really be present with the simple things, such as exercising with the pure joy of exercising. If you have 30 minutes to yourself, which is already a gift, you know, make the most out of it by being truly present. This in itself, it's a meditative practice. What would happen if you are out on, on your walk and you go, I'm present, I'm present, I'm present. Oh, I forgot to buy that at the grocery store. I've got to get this at the grocery Oh, no, I'm not present. Get present. No, now I'm really frustrated. Oh, bugger <laughs> it, I'm going to the coffee shop. The mind is a muscle, right? Just like going to the gym and training your bicep. Your mind is designed to think. 
So every time your mind is wandering off and you bring your mind back, this is mindfulness. Without judgment. Without judgment, exactly, right? So to be able to um, bring your awareness in the present moment without judgment, every time your mind wanders, you're practicing mindfulness correctly. What about if you're ready for the next couple of steps? I don't know if it's particular techniques you'd like to call out or whether there's a stepping stone to, you know, full-blown an hour sitting meditating. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Okay. So again, building on success. So the little um, things that you already enjoy that you can do mindfully, such as cooking, uh, walking, exercising, then going to some breathing techniques that allows you for a minute to simply breathe in and breathe out. One of the great breathing techniques that I strongly encourage is the box breathing. I'm not sure if you've heard of that breathing technique. So you breathe in for four, pause for four, exhale for four, and pause for four. Uh, So each of the four is the size of the box. Mm -hmm. Okay, and you imagine a box kind of moving around the box. Okay, I can do that. Inhale, pause, exhale, pause. Okay, And do that maybe four or five times, right? And your mind stays present with your inhalations and with your exhalations. So that's another really great tool that will alter your state. You start breathing, you can see within yourself. I'm not sure if you even remember that Nurture 360, when we've had a Nam teaching us about breathing and how that changed the brain. Oh, it was it was remarkable where they got a guy up on stage and they measured his heart rate volume so we could see it on the uh, on the big screen. And of course he got up on stage in front of all these people. He was so nervous and his heart rate variability was all over the place. And then they did meditation with him and you just saw his heart rate completely change. Instantly. Yeah. And then they they triggered him again by giving him difficult problems to solve and the heart rate variability went mm-hmm. crazy. But then he coached him how to then regulate his heart rate. Yes. That was profound for me to exactly. see the physiological response mm-hmm. on the screen. So breathing will do that. Now, the next step after that would be to learn effectively how to meditate. There's great apps out there. If you found one that works for you and that you personally like, keep doing it. If you can find a coach, I always say coaching is the number one thing that will help you deepen the process. So definitely so that your coach can find or can equip you with the right meditations that are good for you. There's over a thousand techniques of meditation. Right, because I'm thinking transcendental because Hugh Jackman does it. And yeah. I figure that whatever Hugh does must be amazing. So I've heard I teach that. this technique as well. Do you? Yes. And I feel this is the one that I personally practice. Okay. Transcendental meditation is a meditation technique that allows you to transcend beyond the level of thinking. So a great analogy that I can give to our listeners would be the ocean. It's often utilized in when we talk about transcendental meditation. So we are at the top of the ocean, right? When there's waves, when there's events happening in our lives, the waves can be big and the waves can be small. When we transcend beyond the surface of the ocean with our mantra, we go deep down into stillness. The mantra is an anchor that allows you to transcend beyond the waves, beyond events, all the way down to the bottom of the ocean. How would you describe the bottom of an ocean? Vast, calm, deep. 
right? So do you scuba dive? I have done. I love it. It's like flying. Exactly. So scuba diving was actually one of my first experience of meditation. I was very young. I was maybe eight or nine years old. And I remember being at the bottom of the ocean. Everything was so still. It's another world. And to me, it's similar to my inner world. Very different. Calm, still. Knowing that within that place, you're feeling centered. You're feeling connected. So that when you finish practicing 20 minutes, you can go up back at the surface of the ocean, feeling much more supple, much more ready to deal with the events of life. Uh, you're less rigid. You're more open. So to me, it's a meditation practice that I found quite beneficial. Again, mindfulness techniques are, are great as well. So on apps, Headspace, Calm, There's great guided meditations that will help you navigate challenges smoothly. My mom had real issues with sleep and anxiety for a little while last year, just came out of the blue. And she said that the Calm app has absolutely transformed her. And there's a whole bunch of meditation, guided meditations and exercises you can do. She loved that app. And I've played around with Headspace before and like that one too. Are there any other apps or gimmicks or tricks that our mums could go out and try? These are probably the two ones that I would have had recommend. So Calm and Headspace. There's also One Giant Mind, which I love. But in respect to meditation, the best meditation is when you remove any technology so that you can practice it even when your phone battery is low. You can practice it when you're walking on the beach and you don't have any device. So to learn properly how to be self-sufficient in a practice, it's definitely worth the investment of energy, time, money, because it's, it's, you know, it's a gift that you can take with you for the rest of your life. Oh my goodness, Joanne. I think <laughs> you may have possibly just got me over the line. In fact, I'm going to make a commitment to you that I am going to do a month of mindful meditation I'm not going to say twice a day, 20 minutes, but I am going to say once a day, 20 minutes. Start with Can that. Can we shake on it? Okay, we'll do Let's it. Shake. We're shaking yes, right we now. We are shaking. Oh. I'll teach you how to meditate. Um, it's, you'll love it. You'll love it. And you know, the 20 minutes, I cannot wait for my practice. Right? People look a lot about physical health, but mental health. As soon as you start to feel how good you can feel mentally, the world opens up in a whole different way. Thank you for today. That was incredible. Thank you, Amelia. Healthy Her was presented by me, Amelia Phillips, and created in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Producer Live Proud, sound production by Matt Nikolic. Theme music composed by Matthew Dwyer, executive producer Jennifer Goggin. To hear more episodes, listen for free at podcastoneaustralia.com.au. Download the free Podcast One Australia app or search Healthy Her. And for more tips and insights on this topic, visit my show notes at ameliaphillips.com.au. 